Welcome rock and metal fans. Coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal. B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s and today. Playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests and more. So grab a beer and turn it up. It's time for the Headbangers Vault. Hey, this is the Headbangers Vault. I am the B1 Bomb. And I'm the Smuts. What's up, everyone? And tonight, Smuts, we got a big guest. Mm -hmm. We got Danny Vaughn from Taiketo. How are you doing, Danny? Hey, guys. I'm doing well, thanks. How's everything in Indiana? Cold. Kind of cold, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Business as usual, then. (laughs) Yes. It it usually is, yeah. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself, Danny. Where do you want to start? Wherever you want. You're the honored guest. Uh, well, aside from just being the lead singer of Taiketo, I'll, I'll leave the research to everybody else. Okay. So, how did your career begin? I guess maybe we should start right there. Yeah. Well, let's see. My first sort of official big band was joining a band called Wasted, which was fronted by Pete Way and Paul Chapman of UFO. And that was in 1985 when I first got the call to try out for them and uh, kind of proceeded on from there to do all of my firsts, my first album, my first video, my first major tours, all of that sort of thing, kind of the whole rock star experience after spending like the five previous years of my life doing, you know, the cover band circuit in the New York, New Jersey area. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we did talk to Johnny D a yeah. couple of weeks ago. So uh, Yeah, man, yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he was excited to be part of Taiketo, too. Yeah, very, yes. Yeah, well, it's been wonderful having him. You know, it was funny. I almost didn't make that phone call. Um, oh, wow. When I was looking to replace Michael, you know, he and I had discussions about uh, who would jump into his shoes. And it's a difficult thing, not just for being a great drummer that he is, but he was also my musical partner and best friend on, for 33 years. Mm-hmm. So proud to say that, that none of those changes involve any bad blood or drama of any kind. Michael and Chris Green both just decided they didn't want to do any more road time. And mm-hmm. fair enough, you know. Right. Uh, so, I almost didn't call Johnny because Johnny always looks so busy. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, a, there's a little lesson for everybody out there in, in internet land. If you think, you know, you want to work with somebody, but you think, ah, they're, they're, they're just do too much. They'll never want to do what I'm involved in. You know, contact him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you, never <know. laughs> you never know. In Johnny's case, he was like, you know, I thought to myself, here's what happens. So if I if I started calling other drummers, I only had a couple on my list, and word got round, I know I'd get a call from Johnny going, yo, dude, you know, what's up? You don't call me for this? And I just normally would have thought, well, you know, you're out with Doro all the time, so let's nip that in the bud. I'll call him. He'll tell me he's too busy, and I'll move on. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so what was it like for you guys as far as like writing and recording for your first album with Taiketo? How'd that go? Okay, so we're back in Set the Wayback Machine. So we're around 1988 when that first started. And that was basically Michael and I had started off the band and started looking for other players. And not too long after that, we recommended this uh, 
this big tall blonde god out of Minnesota. We wrote to Brooke, you know, these back in the days where you, you don't jump online and do research, you'd start calling your friends and hoping to get some kind of recommendation. And it's written to me saying, you know, check this guy, Brooke out, you know, from Minnesota, he's, he's got something. And uh, we heard some music and all that. So he was in there pretty quickly. So what we did at the time was, I think, fairly unique these days. People make money doing this kind of thing now, but what we did was we got very, very lucky in that we just, I couldn't even tell you how things aligned, but we're in New Jersey, in Southern Jersey, and we, we come across this guy, and he's got this big company. Now, this company that he had, they did underwater demolition specialties. Oh, wow. Right? wow. So, yeah, they worked around like bridge, bridges and piers and all that sort of thing. And his company went bankrupt, but he had like millions of dollars of specialized gear that he was going to eventually have to sell off from the company. Mm-hmm. I do not remember how we got we came across this guy, but he's like, "Hey, you know, he says um, I got this this warehouse. It's where the offices were, and all the gear stored and everything like that." And he says, "I basically need to have somebody on site as part of my bankruptcy. You know, out of the rules." So if you guys wanted a place to rehearse, you could set up there and be there, and it fulfills both sides of it. So what we did was this this huge house, and all the offices were upstairs, so, you know, we converted them back to bedrooms. Walked down the hallway and down a flight of steps, and you were in this enormous space that was now empty that used to be where all his diving gear was showcased and everything like Mm -hmm. that. So you just had all the amps, drums, everything just set up 24 hours a day and no real neighbors to annoy. Um, So we could pretty much play whenever anybody had an idea, you know, and none of us had full-time jobs. We kind of did stuff on and off. So we really created a a music boot camp. And I'd say, you know, we spent an average of about five hours a day one way or another working on music. And so the the songs for Taiketo's first album, Don't Come Easy, were kind of written very streamlined and, and didn't take that long to pull them all together that great album yeah i love that album <laughs> it's awesome yeah that uh you know leading off with forever young was a good move it won us a lot of fans that are still with us yeah yeah a great song did you guys tour a lot for that first album yeah we did um there was a lot of small things in, in our area the good old days of everybody and crew packed into a toyota van with no heat you know, in, in the Northeast in wintertime. Nice. Yeah. Um, we were opening up for Blue Oyster Cult, which was not the best experience for us. We did a show or two, putting up for Ingve Malmsteen, but uh, apparently his wife really liked us, so we were off the tour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is what I hear. I don't know. I can't verify that. But this is what I okay. Wow. We got two things kind of simultaneously. We got the, uh, the call to do four shows opening up for Nelson, who at the time okay. were the number one song in the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for reasons I do not know, House of Lords had to drop out. So we were on the same label, so our label was like, just get out there. Uh, and that was Missouri. We drove from New Jersey to Missouri in one shot. They gave us no time, of course. <laughs> right. We're going to be there tomorrow. Tomorrow! Jeez. Rent the van, grab a manager, everybody goes. Yeah, we did four shows for them, and then that kind of opened the door. Or the later on more you know the the full on tour with them, which was a great experience. And then we went over to the UK to open up for White Lion. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So you know, doing very very well at the time. 
And that was totally in the face of our record company who told us, we don't care about Europe and England. They don't buy records. Don't bother with it. You know, and just like really asinine things, considering that American musicians try all their lives to get over to the UK, you know, where all these great musicians are from that we love. And hey, musicians try all their lives to get to America for the same reason. We got over there and did that tour with White Lion. And, you know, we had very low expectations. We were told, you know, nobody knows who you are. Get ready. The Brits like to throw bottles of piss at you. It's like that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we'll just go out there and try to win them over one day at a time. And so the first night was at uh, a venue called St. David's Hall in uh, Cardiff, Wales. And first of all, most unusually, uh, particularly for British audience at that time, everybody was in for the opening act. We kind of looked around, I was like, this place is full. You know, they would hang by the bar as long as they could not to see the opening act, because that wasn't cool, you know? Right. And then, uh, so we opened up with Wings, and everybody started singing along. Hang on a minute. We were selling more records than we knew about. <laughs> That's a great song, too. Yeah. I mean, I love it. So did the grunge movement affect you guys at all in the 90s? Killed us dead. The only difference between myself and a lot of my compatriots in that era is I don't blame grunge nor dislike it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You know, it's what I blame for that happening is basically the same mistakes the music industry makes all the time, which is they find something that works and then everybody wants one. Mm-hmm. So, right, right. you know, Guns N' Roses get signed out of L.A., and then suddenly every sleazy-ass L.A. band that's wearing ripped leather trousers and headbands and looks like they sleep in a crack den got a record deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, some of them were good, some of them were not. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. that's what you get. So in our case, you suffered from... You know, first of all, I'm very much anti-video. I, I do them because I have to. But I knew when that came along that, that was going to be the death of music because mm-hmm. it shortens our attention spans. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this just shows my age, and I hate doing that. You know, you know when I was a kid. But the, the truth <laughs> of the matter is that if I was if I was a Led Zeppelin fan in the seventies, you didn't have video. You, you right. barely ever saw them. They were mythical figures. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they did an interview, you went out and bought it because that was your only link for, you know, maybe a month, two months. Maybe another magazine would have an interview. You weren't inundated with it. Right. With video, they just keep giving you, oh, you really like that video? Well, here it is again for the fourth time this hour. You know? Right. You get sick of it very quickly. And so when the bell tolled for bands like us, it's because the audience had enough of everybody in wearing matching leather studded outfits swinging their guitars around their backs and having their girlfriends hump the fronts of their cars enough <laughs> <laughs> already with this and the audience went hey you know what this guy looks like me he's wearing a sweater I'm going there okay and then that's where you know in a sense fashion can kill music really. definitely I still remember uh, watching MTV back then, and it was like a trickster video, and then that was when I saw the Nirvana video, and, and I was like, like oh, what was this? This changed everything <laughs> yeah, up. Way I, different. I can tell you from being there that you know, Nirvana was on the same label as we were, and the only reason Geffen signed them was because they were doing so well on their own. They released a thing called Bleach, and they were touring colleges back when that could make you good money. And they were selling it out of their cars. And they were selling like 
think they sold like 60,000 copies. Wow. Uh, you know, which was unheard of for a band right. that had no record deal. Of course, record companies got to get in there and, you know, mm. take over and get their piece. Yep. So, you know, they threw a lot of money at them. But when Nevermind came out, I was there and those people were like, yeah, you know, we're hoping it'll sell a couple hundred thousand. You know, we'll make our money back. Everybody will be happy. <laughs> they didn't right. see what was coming at all. Wow. Then you have a band called Vaughn? Yeah, it was really just solo stuff. Okay. But, uh, for whatever reason, it was decided to make it a band name rather than just my name. Okay, I wondered yeah. about that. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I think we did two, I think I did two albums under that, and uh, there were different players on them at different times. Okay. So what did you think of the Steve uh, Jerry version of Taiketo? I mean, how'd that come about? I liked it. Uh, believe it or not, I know this is all going to sound like me, 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 but actually Steve was my idea. Oh, really? Uh, wow. I kind of had enough for a variety of reasons, the biggest of which was it was just too hard to watch watch the dream die. Mm-hmm. You know? And we've done all that, and then suddenly nobody's taking your phone calls. Nobody wants to book you. When you do get into a place, there's 30 people in the audience like, oh, I can't watch this. You know, we worked so hard. Right, um, mm-hmm. and we really did. I mean, we we at one point or another through the like ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, we just toured constantly. You know, in some ways to our the detriment of our health, and you know, it just got harder and harder to get people to even care, and that just hurt too much. So right. for that and several other reasons, I I retired. The music business can really get on top of me. I hate it. So I just like you know what, I'm done. And the other guys weren't too happy about that. But Steve was living in Staten Island at the time. We were friends. And uh, I was a massive fan of Tall Stories. Tall Stories album, I think, is the best of the best mm-hmm. of that whole era. So I was just like, hey, you know, well, Jerry's down the road. You know, give him a call. See what he's doing. And that's what they ended up doing. And, and particularly uh, Brooke and Steve O'Jerry hit it off. And I think, you know, that they were the main... Orson that created the Shine album. Wow. Is it a Taiketo album? I'm going to say not really. They probably should have gone under another name, but I think the audience kind of just didn't, they kind of shrugged their shoulders at it because it was much more raw, bluesy approach than Taiketo had done. And I think it just took people by surprise. But is it a good album? Yeah, it is. I remember getting that. I had to mail something to get that because it wasn't released in record stores. Right. So, Danny, what were some of the other projects you were involved with? Yeah, there was been a lot going on in those days. I mean, right after, you know, said enough's enough, I'm not in the music business anymore. I got contacted to do what still stands as one of my favorite records I've ever done, which is a band called Flesh and Blood. And that was just straight-up blues rock album, you know, Bad Company-ish, and it was headed up by Mark Mangold and Al Petrelli. And, you know, they had finished the album, it was all done, written, everything, and the record company did not like the singer. And Mm -hmm. uh, just said, look, you know, we'd love to release this, but we really think the singer is killing the vibe. And they decided to look for somebody else. Mark and I knew each other, so he just asked me, you know, what was the thing about coming in and just blowing out 13 songs? You know, they're already (laughs) written, and I was like, you know, that that involves very little logistics, planning, and thinking. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, just kind of went in and sang it, and, and I still love that album. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm singing on it. I just think it's it's a great right. album. Yeah. yeah. 
So that that came along like right after. It was '96, I think we did that. That just got re-released recently. I've appeared on a lot of people's stuff. I've appeared on on Yes albums and Riot albums, and I do a lot of, of demo work for people throughout Europe and things like that. So there's always stuff going on. And then you know, I uh, over the years occasionally release a solo album, which I'm thinking very seriously about another one of those coming oh, soon. Wow, awesome. Now, there is a new Taiketo album coming up, isn't there? Or? Yeah, something in the works? Well, you know, at this point, here's, here's what happened. You know, when Michael and Chris decided to retire, it was right after we'd all been sidelined for two years by the mm-hmm. pandemic. So when it came time to sort of tentatively stick our toe back in the water, that was a good period for self-reflection. So that's when they came to me and said, listen, don't think we want to do this anymore. And... To me, especially without Michael, I just went, well, you know what? You know, we'll just announce that Taiketo's done. You know, then we'll pull the tent and that'll be that. And I was all right with that. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but, you right. know, I, I, I wasn't, like, upset about it. And, and uh, Michael was actually was more upset about it than I was. He said, well, why would you do that? So, well, you know, Taiketo without you, I, I don't get it. Like I said, 33 years, right. you know, the same guy looking at my ass from the back of the stage. <laughs> Just like okay, we we have a certain bond, and and again, he is my best friend as well. So, right. so mm-hmm. I just don't know how I feel about it. And how's the audience going to react? You know, to one original member and new people. And so both he and Chris really kind of pushed it and said, you know, try it. And, and Michael said to me, he goes, I have a feeling that if those songs are sung by that singer, you'll be fine. And so last year was kind of our kind of coming out. And we did uh, more tour dates in a year. I think we did like 25, 30 tour dates. Wow. Uh, and Taiketo had done in a long time. Mm-hmm. And for a band at our level, that's, that's all right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we did, uh, you know, not one complaint, not, not one whiner about, well, it's not the same as it used to be. We were very, very lucky. We found guys who understood the band's ethic, how we relate to our audience, how much we, you know, well, we put everything into the live performance, you know? Yeah. And, you know, how fun it is as well. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And so I needed that to gel before I made a decision about making a record. Because believe me, the record company has been busting my nuts the whole time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, let's have a new record. I'm like, no, not doing it until I'm certain. I just didn't dig it. What would be the point, you know? So now, you know, the new guys have been accepted. They're great. And so we're starting to kick IDs around this year. So I would hope there'll be a new Taikano album in 2025. Awesome. Man, I'm looking forward to that for sure. My biggest problem is that normally I've got a few songs in the trick bag you know, mm-hmm. to get started with, and this time I am at zero. So oh. it's <laughs> all going to start together and see how it goes. Yeah. Now, did you guys tour a lot in like the 2000s? Um, Taiketo reunited in 2004, first time. That was, that was after, you know, I had left. Because mm-hmm. uh, we went on with Steve in 96 and 97, possibly 98 before that stopped. So our first actual, like, European reunion was 2004. Okay. And we pretty much, there have been a few gaps, but we pretty much toured in the UK and Europe at least a little bit every year. If not Taiketo, then, then myself solo. You guys had a few albums out in the 2000s, didn't you? Like, was it 2016 or something like that? Well, 2016 was the last one. That was Reach. Okay, yeah. Kind of remember that now. 
2012 was Digging Deep. Okay. Digging Deep was with the original band members again, as people were kind of howling for it, and we managed to get Brooke to, to commit to that. He was really, really busy, but we managed to get him in there for, you know, a few short studio sessions to create that album. But then Reach was... Me, I think Reach is Taiketo's best album, because that was, again, you know, new guitar player at the time, Chris Green, Chris Childs on bass from Thunder, and we had been touring for a couple of weeks and really gotten our live show, like, tight, and then we went straight into Rockfield Studios in Wales and started recording, so that's really the way to do it, you know, when the band is is already operating very cohesively, mm-hmm. and... You know, then you just throw the new songs out there. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's when Reach was created. Hopefully hear some new material in the future. Yeah, you know, it only gets harder as a writer. Okay, what haven't I written about? You know, what what can I say that isn't the same as I've said before, lyrically, that kind of thing. It gets more and more difficult as you get older, not to hear a guitar riff and go, yeah, but that's... Jakey Lee, 1996, yeah. you know, or George Lynch, or, you know, you got to sometimes put blinders on and not care that mm. you sound like somebody else because, you know, there's only 12 notes and only so many ways to combine them. So right. you have to hope that the synergy between all of your elements is what makes it sound like you. And so, I, yeah, I think we'll pull that off. But it, it, it's a lot more pressure involved than there used to be. Sure. As as creating something that we think is good and that's always been a Taiketo thing is is that whatever we've released we thought it was good Mm -hmm. you know we didn't do something because the record company said or you know this or that we didn't get pushed around we just kind of this is what we felt was our best at the time and um, we make a lot of decisions like that sometimes to our detriment (laughs) but it's the way it goes last few questions for you here Danny if you could open up for any band past present or future who would it be? No, I hate questions like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Who would I open up for? Well, let's see. I've opened up for Journey, so they're off. Done that. They would be on my list. Pretty but... big. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you don't want to say something ridiculous like, like Zeppelin or the Stones, because I wouldn't want to open for them. It's too, it's too big. Yeah, you, you kind of get swallowed up in all of that. Nobody's <laughs> there to see you. We get a lot of Led Zeppelin answers on this question. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't want to open for Led Zeppelin because nobody would remember you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Who was that band that opened up for Zeppelin? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's go to another corner of that one in my brain for a minute. Okay. We'll table that one for now. Who are some of your main influences? We could be here for many an hour. Um, whether it's vocals or whether it's songwriting. For instance, as a songwriter, I admire guys like John Hyatt and Tom Waits, Robbie Robertson, Bruce Hornsby, Don Henley, you know, more kind of leaning towards that singer-songwriter sort of thing. Sure. And staying, you know, that these, are the, these are the songwriters that I admire the most. If you're talking about bands, you know, when Taiketo started out, our first initial goal was we wanted to be Night Ranger. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, you know, now that you mention that. that. Yeah. Well, you know, when they came along, they had this very, I thought, unique combination. First of all, they had you know, great vocals, and they were being done by different people on different songs, which I thought was pretty cool. They paid a lot of attention to their songwriting. Their songwriting was, was excellent. 
And then you had these two utterly different and both utterly masterful guitar players. And we kind of thought that's what we'd like to do. And then eventually I think we came to the conclusion that trying to live with two guitar players was just too crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kept one. <laughs> but that was, and hey, you know, in their heyday, there's an answer for you. I would love to have opened for, for Night Ranger in okay. like... Yeah, you know, good answer. 94, you know, still rocking America when all that was going on. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I came back around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it would. <laughs> as far as singing goes, man, you can go just about anywhere with that. Um, it's funny because I get often influenced by singers I sound nothing like. A lot of my, my favorite singers are the guys with real kind of rough and tough voices. You know, anybody from Joe Cocker to David Ruffin of The Temptations. You know, in my working days coming up, we were all, everybody was watching what Steve Perry was doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We were yeah. Just, that was kind of the curse of the 80s because you listen to some of those albums, like even the, the Wasted album, which I love the fact that people still come and talk to me about it, how much they love it. Mm-hmm. When I listen to that, I hear a singer that started in the, in like the upper middle of his range and just went up and just, you know, it's the only right. way we could show up mm-hmm. by singing these stupid eye notes all the time. You know, that's only one part of singing. So I can still go there, but I certainly can't live there. I admire much more, you know, like, singer like Stevie Wonder to me encapsulates everything you ever want to know or mm-hmm. learn about vocals. Danny, you guys planning on uh, going out on any uh, shows this year with Taiketo or? Yeah, we've been asked to do quite a few um, festivals over here in the UK and Europe, which okay. I'm really happy about. The phone's ringing a lot more than it ever has. That's good. So yeah. That's a really nice thing. So we'll be back at Sweet and Rock, Call of the Wild and Made in Stone Festival. You know, oh, I'll tell you another band I would love to have opened up for, Mr. Big. Oh, yeah. Okay. Huh. I've seen they're touring right now. Yeah. Well, that's it. I just thought of it because we're playing the Maiden Stone Festival with them, and it's this, you know, the final thing for them. So yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Making sure I go to see that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, stand side stage, shoot spitballs at Eric, have some yeah. fun. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he's another one of those vocalists that I just admire so greatly. You know, he's, he's a soul singer in a rock band. I saw Eric open up for a Warrant. He did an acoustic show, and it was really cool. I did an acoustic show with Eric. I was opening up for him in Madrid. Okay. And, you know, once he kind of realized who I was, and we kind of knew each other a little bit, and he went, hey, you know, want to come up and sing one with me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about, well, what about Just Take My Heart? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can find it. We end up doing like three songs together. Oh, look that Okay. Uh, any plans of uh, Taiketo coming over to the U.S. and playing? Yeah. That's a hard one. Um, you know, meaning no insult to, to my American brethren, the American music audience is notorious for having a very short-term memory span. Right. And, yeah, that's for sure. You know, whereas Europe hangs on, and if, if you deliver the goods in England and Europe, they will keep coming to see you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of where our rock is. Having said that, you know, we do do the Monsters of Rock cruise like every mm-hmm. other year. An absolute joy to do. Uh, we're not on it this year, but I have high hopes for next year. You were on it last year. I watched that on YouTube last mm-hmm. year. You guys did an awesome job. Good show. Thanks. Yeah, it was Michael and Chris's final show, so there was a lot of emotion coming out on that one. The problem is now that the band, it's a double-edged sword because the band is now completely European-based. Right. So mm-hmm. For Europe, Scandinavia, it's great because it's all short little flights if anybody needs to go anywhere. Right. But for America, you know, you're coming straight off the bat, possibly your tour manager, that just 
getting off the plane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from there on in, Taiketo can play Chicago, Taiketo can play New York, New Jersey, Taiketo can play Dallas. You know, what a lot of people don't realize, unless you're American, is there's a lot of miles between them. <laughs> yeah, right, that's right. And it's not so easy, you know, to keep a band paid, fed, lodged, and all right. that. So it, it, the, the long answer is that it's it's probably not very likely. What I have been doing that's been a load of fun, I'm looking to do again this year, is I've been doing solo acoustic shows, doing those for several years, and I did them in the States last year. It was around October time, oh. and it was primarily the Northeast. I also do private house concerts, and that's like a whole other experience. And that takes you all over the place. All right. So yeah. I'm looking at possibly next October again to do more than last time. Last time I did like eight shows. Mm. So I'm hoping that we can do like three weeks worth and kind of get around the country. You know, like Eric Martin does, like the Trickster guys do. Like I did the shows with, with a good friend of mine, Anthony Corder from Tora Tora, who is okay. also wonderful. And yeah, so I mean, I'm kind of hoping I can sort of slide into that for a while. Awesome. open a Taiketo door or two. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm starting a concert venue here in our area. So uh, if you do that in October, okay. we hope to be open. By then, I'll definitely get a hold of you, and yeah. I, I would love to have you. Yeah, Good get idea. In touch. Get in touch for sure. Yeah. Sure. Awesome, man. And Danny, we got one last question for you. What does okay. Taiketo mean? Oh, you didn't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, man. It don't mean nothing. <laughs> Okay. I'll tell this story for the bazillionth time. It is a piece of graffiti that Brooke spotted on a wall in Brooklyn when we were trying to name our system. We had come up with some two or three really poor-ass names that we were going under for a while. I guess the point where you get so frustrated, you're like, oh, just you look around the room and you go, Schifferogue, that's fine. We're Schifferogue. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> uh, and Brooke saw, he said, hey, guys, you know, I was, I was in this really kind of dangerous area of Brooklyn today working on a job. And he goes, uh, I saw this gang tag, I think, and it said Taiketo. And I thought, I don't know, that's kind of cool. Really? We all liked it. We were like, all right, now do we have to worry? You know, some, some <laughs> you know, it didn't mean anything in any other languages. We looked it up and, and all that. So we took it. And then like six months later, the record company, when we signed with them, gets a great idea. They said, listen, can you find that? wall again and maybe take some photos in front of it and brooke's like yeah i remember where it is so we get down there and it turns out guitar player needs glasses because it actually said taiketfo <laughs> that's good that's really good <laughs> that's a good story i've wondered that for years so <laughs> that photo shoot was killed <laughs> <laughs> dang it <laughs> Thanks, Danny, for coming on here. We really appreciate yeah, we your time. appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you guys. When you're ready to go live, make sure I have links and things so we can let people know to check you guys out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully uh, you can play at my venue. So that'd be awesome. I'd love yeah, to have you. Yeah, yeah, let me know. I just saw an opportunity, and uh, he took it. we bought a building, and I have financial backers, and uh, we're getting this done. All right. Well... Be good to your musicians. It's all oh, absolutely. Well, we're going to have laundry available. We're going to have all that Man, for you. That is a big thing. Laundry, <laughs> hot water, clean yep. towels. Oh, you're going to have showers. You're going to have a, your own apartment. So I'm here for you. <laughs> thank you, Danny. Yep. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. We'd like to thank all our listeners. Check us out on Spotify, Podbean, and all that stuff. And what Nikki Lane says. 
If it's too loud, you're too old. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Keep rocking out there, everyone. For listening to the Headbangers Vault, bringing you the best in rock and metal music and music talk with your hosts, B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Check us out on your social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you'd be interested in being a part of our show or advertising with us, please visit our webpage at headbangersvault.podbean.com. And remember, if it's too loud, you're too old. <laughs>